Welcome to The Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mom of six kids, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of The Crystal Pain Show. I am really honored to have a guest in studio that I've actually been looking forward to this for quite a long while because this is a topic that I am really passionate about. And this is also a new topic for me in the last few years. And this is one that I feel like so many people have come to me and ask. And I feel like we have a lot that we're going to learn today from my guest and I just realized, um, is your last name pronounced Whiffler? <laughs> Whiffler, okay. yes. I know it's a little bit tricky with that L and R and, or F and all that. I was so. like, is it Weifler? I okay. know. <laughs> so we have in studio Laura Whiffler. She is the author of a new children's book called Like Me, a story about disability and discovering God's image in every person. And Laura, it's interesting because before we went to record, we have so many different things to talk about when it comes to just all of the things that we have intersecting passions Mm -hmm. and all of that. But today I'm going to try to keep it on topic (laughs) to this new book that you wrote. And I'd love for you to start with telling us a little bit about yourself and your family. Absolutely. Yeah. So my name is Laura Whiffler and I have three kiddos, Eli, Colette, and Eden. They are nine, eight, and five. And my husband is an engineer and he works in building uh, grain bins and all sorts of fun things. We live in Iowa, so that kind of makes sense with working in ag. Um, And I am also the executive director of Risen Motherhood, which is a nonprofit organization. We help moms connect their faith to their motherhood. So we just try to draw a big line between that Sunday morning sermon and the Monday morning toddler tantrum. So that is our goal is to help moms see how their faith applies to their daily lives. Um, and through that, we've got articles, a podcast, um, social media, all sorts of great stuff. And then I also just have the privilege of being an author and getting the chance to write books, both for children and adults. And it's just a huge privilege. Mm. So how many books have you written? Oh man. Well, I've done two for children. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a third coming out next year. So I feel like there's three, but not everybody knows about the third yet. Um, And then I have a co-written trade book for adults, for moms called Risen Motherhood. Mm. So And how long has Risen Motherhood been around for? Yeah, maybe about seven years. It's a little tricky because we started the podcast and um, we didn't really become an official nonprofit until three and a half years ago. So that number I know, but I always kind of forget 2017, whatever that would be, is when that podcast launched. And it was a pretty fast growth where we just were trying to keep up with everything and adding social media. And we're like, hey, this is real. So mm-hmm. let's let's keep building it out and adding things. But an official nonprofit for about three and a half years. And so this book is, I feel like, different than the other things that you have done. And um, talk to us about your heart behind this. Yeah. So this book, like me, really grew out of my own experience with my youngest daughter, Eden, who was five. And when she was two months old, she was diagnosed with what's called rare chromosome disorder. And rare chromo is this blanket term for people who have a genetic disease that presents itself in a completely unique way. So um, what she has, actually, doctors said to us that they'd never seen it before in any other person on the planet. Any Mm. record um, just shows that she's utterly unique. Mm. 
And there are lots of other kids that are like this, so it's not totally unknown. But what it meant for us was that we didn't know what Eden's future held in the at, at the moment. So um, doctors told us that we can look at other cases that are similar to her, and more than likely she would never walk and she would never talk. And they said we can we can hope that she gets there, but you need to be prepared that that's probably not her path. Um, so as you can imagine, I mean, I, I know you you have a similar story too. Um, that was really, really hard news to hear. And it really set us on a journey for the next five years to discover what Eden's capabilities would be. And now, um, I'm just thrilled to share with everyone that she does walk, Mm. you know, she can jump and do a somersault even, Mm. and it's just fun. She's starting to, um, go up and down stairs without assistance. She still needs a little bit of help there, but it's been so fun to see her grow. And even with words, she is starting to speak and just, she's always made her needs known. <laughs> that's for sure. But using words um, has been incredible to see. So she's really growing in that. And we're, we're continuing to just discover what she can do. But from that, this book was really born. And what I realized when maybe she was two, three, four years old, you know, we have this incredible neighborhood, tons of kids, but she's the only one with disabilities in this whole neighborhood. And I realized that children just needed a little bit of help when it came to engaging with her because they were ready to play with her, ready to be friends. But then maybe she would speak in a way that they weren't used to, or she would move or act in a way that they weren't comfortable with. And they just needed someone to come in, an adult, to help them see that like, hey, that's okay. She's, we know she's happy. Um, she just speaks a little bit differently or her mind thinks differently or she's trying the best way she knows how. And then to help them see, but she still wants to be a friend. She Mm. still wants to be included. And so the book was born out of that idea that children just need help kind of understanding that kids with disabilities who move, act, or uh, behave differently, that they can still have friendship with them. Mm. And that there is still a great relationship that can be born because there's there's that sameness that's there. And Mm -hmm. I think what kids are doing is they're looking um, and trying to categorize the whole world, right? They're like, literally, this whole world is so new. And they are like, what's safe and what's not safe? And what is good and what is bad? And as parents, we're teaching them. And we can help them see that like, hey, kiddos who are a little bit different than you, it's still a good thing. They're still wonderful. And there's a sameness there that you can build a friendship on. So that's what I really hope the book teaches families. I loved it. So we opened it up, we got it in the mail and we started reading it to our two and a half year old. And it was just like, I was living my life, oh. you know, cause it was like talking about going to therapy, yes. and the people, you know, and it's like, she just, you know, she has only really known this world of, you know, going to therapy and just going to the doctor and different, you know, like she can turn off the feeding pump. You know, yeah. she, like she just, she, it's just, this is her normal. Yeah. And, and I love that for her. I know for our older kids, I look back and I wish that I had given them a lot more opportunities to be around people who had disabilities. Yeah. Yeah. And I just will be really honest. I felt awkward. Yeah. Like I, I didn't did it. know, Me too. Me too. like I didn't know, like, what should I do? And I, I, I don't want to do the wrong thing. And so I felt like I defaulted to just not engaging. Right. Right. And I've talked to a lot of adults who feel the same way. How do you encourage them to kind of take that first step? What does that look like? Yeah. I'm so grateful for this question because like you, I remember prior to having my daughter, I was the same way. I was like, oh, let's just not talk about that topic because it's too fraught with potholes. You know, it just mm-hmm. felt like we're going to get in trouble because we're not going to say the right stuff. We're not going to do it right. So I kind of ignored it. 
And the reality is at some point or other, you are going to encounter someone with a disability, whether that's at the grocery store or the library or something else, that's going to happen. And so it's great to be prepared in this conversation. And what I always encourage families in is actually disabilities are all around you, whether it may is, whether it's actually with a person that's in your life, it's actually in the media, it's in magazines, it's in pictures. And those are great opportunities to kind of step back and say, Hey, do you remember when we were watching, you know, I don't, let me think of a, a movie really quick. Um, uh, what's that? How to train your dragon. You remember when you're watching that, did you realize that, uh, the main character hiccup is an amputee and that's a great chance for you to just talk about disabilities with your child and what that means and how life might be different for him. And it, it's not that you're forcing a conversation, but maybe you're in the car and you're bringing it up later and you're helping to have your children understand what it looks like to have eyes to see Mm. and to really say, okay, like I I've seen that there and I can translate that into real life. So those are opportunities for, if you don't have someone in your life, just to have small conversations, there are a myriad of media opportunities. Trust me. Once you start looking, you can't stop seeing it. Um, but then from there, I think there's great opportunities and kind of reactive training as well. So that, that would be proactive as kind of media or when you, you, um, are preparing ahead of time, maybe even reading a book like, like me or another great book. Um, but reactive too, is when you see somebody out in public and you see someone who's maybe a wheelchair user, or you see someone who is blind and using a walking stick, um, you can have a chance to later on, hopefully in the car, just say, Hey, did did you see that person that was using a wheelchair? Isn't it so cool how it gives them freedom to go where they want to go. And just these little moments where you're normalizing it for children and you're helping them see that you don't have to be afraid of this. Those are incredible ways to build a foundational understanding for your children. Mm. I think one of the things that's been hardest for me as a mom is right away once David came to us, so he had a severe cleft lip and palate. And so he looked very different and he, you know, made a lot of noises that were very different. And we noticed that people just were constantly staring. staring. And, um, and I have had to learn that it's, you know, to help people to engage them of instead of, you know, if I notice them staring, say, this is David. And, you know, just right right away kind of helping bridge that gap of, you know, they're wondering what's, what's different with him and that sort of thing. Um, But I would love to hear from your perspective, if you've experienced that and how you would encourage parents who are in that situation where their child is staring, because yeah, I mean, if there's a child who looks different and yeah. is making weird noises, they're, yeah. they're going to look. But yeah. how would you talk with them about that? Yeah, totally been there. I mean, even my own children who are my, my regularly developing kids, they don't have disabilities and they're around disabilities all the time. They've been like, wait, what's that? You know, like right in public. And I'm like, oh my goodness. So I feel this first off, I have compassion towards any parent. Remember, it is not a reflection of your parenting. It is a natural thing that a child is doing. So the first thing I would say is if the child is being intentionally mean, like that's a different category, right? That's a discipline issue that you can take care of. um, not allowing that. But if it's a general curiosity question, which is the vast majority is the kiddos just kind of saying what they see or what they feel. And it's totally innocent. That's an opportunity for a parent for a training moment and for them to be able to say, Oh, that that's a, that's a wheelchair. And that helps them get where they want to go. Or, um, that child has a cleft lip. I mean, I mean, I would just say exactly what it is to the best of your ability. You may not know every term for adaptive equipment. That's okay. But say as best as you can. And then I like to ask parents to push it a step further and encourage sameness. So again, your child is trying to categorize the world and they're trying to say, 
is that a safe thing? Is that a good thing? Is that a familiar thing, a comfort? And what you can do is say, isn't it so cool how their wheelchair is blue? You love the color blue. That's so awesome. And they're going to model the smile on your face and the warmth in your eyes. And the fact that you are remaining calm shows that child that it's totally, this is an okay situation. If we go shh and, you know, kind of freak out Mm. and it's not because of the wheelchair, it's not because of, you know, the walker, it's because of our child's responses, but your child doesn't know the difference. And so for us as parents, we need to just model that right behavior. We need to say what it is, answer the question and then show sameness for that child. Mm. So if there's a parent listening who was back in the position that I was a number of years ago of just feeling awkward, Mm -hmm. like feeling like I am afraid I want to go up and say something. Like I want to go up and interact, but I don't know. Like, how do I do that? I don't want to be weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, totally. (laughs) Yeah, I think um, in that instance, what I would remind any person, whether that's a child or an adult, I would just remind you that, you know, life isn't really about your comfort Mm -hmm. and you feeling like that this is, this is the best thing for you. This person who you're probably considering approaching or would like to go up to has probably led a very hard life, has probably seen a lot of things that you've never seen, has probably experienced all of it. But by you going up and and actually having courage to say, okay, I want to lay my life down, my comforts down to love this person, to extend Christ's love to them. That's what we're called to as believers. And that's something that I think we can show other people is to say, it's okay if in response, this person just kind of moans because they, they're not speaking, you know, and that's okay. I'm, I can stand there. Um, we have, um, a few people in our, our church who have disabilities and are nonverbal. Um, and I will still encourage my child and just say, Hey, you know what? Today we're going to go up to this person and I'm going to have you go say hi. I'm going to have you touch their hand and I'm going to have you just stand there for a minute or two and smile. And it's been so good for my children who are totally uncomfortable, but they're also, again, around this stuff all the time. And so it's just funny. Um, But yet it's so good for them to kind of learn that life isn't about my comfort. The sooner we can learn that, I mean, the more freedom we're going to have in life where we can then love other people so well. So I would just encourage you, you have to probably do a little bit of like swallowing down the fear. I admit that. But the benefit and the beauty of the relationship that can occur afterwards is so worth it. Mm. And I would just say that as someone who has a child who has disabilities, people being willing to oh, kind of goodness. face yes. their fear yes. and come up, yes. even if I can tell they're awkward, it means so much yes. to me. It's the effort, you know, it's, it's not necessarily like exactly that you said all the perfect words. And again, we've probably heard all the things you can't <laughs> surprise us as parents, you know, but them coming up and saying, I see you, I want to spend time with you. I mean, my pastor, it is so incredible to see this, you know, big, strong man bend down and get low on my daughter's level. And Honestly, you can go one of two ways when you meet my daughter. She can either run and give you the biggest bear hug, or she might scream in your face and run the other way. Like, not sure what's going to happen. But him being willing to get down and say, hey, Eden, I'm so happy to see you, and know that all the people around are kind of maybe watching even, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of embarrassing when a kid rejects you, right? Mm -hmm. As adults, it's so funny because it's like, that kind of hurt that this two-year-old just rejected me. (laughs) And so, but yet, it's like, it doesn't need to hurt. Like, it's, it's okay because- Everybody, when they step back a second, they know, oh yeah, that's just a kid being a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's no reflection upon that adult. Um, what is a beautiful reflection upon the adult is them being willing to go and like speak to the least mm-hmm. and spend time with the least. Mm-hmm. As a parent, I'd love to hear from you. What are some things that people have 
asked you or come up to you and said to you that have really been a blessing to you, like a a way to speak to you? I remember um, a woman coming up to me and she just was like, tell me about your boy. Yes. And I loved, I loved that so much. I was like, because she's, she's opening up the door for me to say whatever I want to say, but she's not pointing out that, you know, and so if I didn't want to share, I didn't have to share, but if I wanted to, I could. And I just love that. Um, I'd love to hear from you. What are some things that people have asked or said? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great go-to to tuck in your back pocket when you want to help and understand someone in their situation. You know, a couple others. Um, so I have a couple friends who have invited me over and said, what can I do to help make our time together successful? Mm. And that is huge because you know, as well as I do, as a parent with a child with disabilities, it can be a big barrier if maybe it's not a fenced in space, or maybe mm. it's, if there's tons of people over and you're like, this will be way too stimulating for my child. Mm. But for the friend to open the door to say, help me know what will make you most successful. That gives a parent the opportunity to say, I need a fenced in yard, or actually um, the coffee shop isn't a great spot for my kiddo. Can we meet in a quiet living room? And so that has been so kind and generous of my friends. Um, Also just asking, Hey, what are you guys working on in therapy lately? Mm -hmm. That's another one. Kind of like, tell me about your boy that a, a parent can say, a lot of things about that and they can Mm -hmm. share triumphs and they can share griefs, but they can also be like, oh yeah, we're just, you know, same old, same old. And they can leave it because as you were kind of noting disabilities, it's one of those things where you don't know how you're going to feel every day. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's much like any grief where there are good days and bad days. And then there are things that trigger bad days. Mm -hmm. There are things that um, surprise you with the joys. And so as a friend, it's so nice when they're sensitive to being able to not put someone on the spot mm-hmm. and feel like, yeah, now I have to tell you, you know, what's your child's diagnosis? It's like, well, let's maybe stay away from that one. The parent will offer it if that's something that they really feel like is important to mm-hmm. share. I love that. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. If you've heard me talk at all over the last few years, you know that I went through a season where I had very severe seasonal allergies and it took me a while to figure out what was triggering it and it was debilitating. If you've ever suffered from this, I actually had my polyps got really swollen in my nose and then I got chronic rhinitis so I could not smell out of my nose. And not only that, but I would have these really awful headaches, the kind that just kept me from being able to enjoy my life. And I started going to an ENT, and one of the things that he recommended was Claritin D. And so for a time period, I took Claritin, and it was such a help to me. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. It works so well. I am a living testament to how well it works. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. So if you've ever suffered from seasonal allergies, if you can relate to kind of some of the things that I have experienced and you want some relief, 
I highly recommend checking out Claritin D. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Amwar makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Amwar, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for new-to-use styles. Now, I've mentioned on the podcast recently that I have been pregnant or breastfeeding for four and a half years, and that season of my life came to a close recently, and I was like, I forgot I can wear normal clothes again that don't need to be breastfeeding friendly or constantly changing in sizes with a postpartum body. And so now I'm left with trying to figure out, well, what do I wear? What is my style? I can't even remember. And styles have changed so much in the last few years. And so I've been having fun experimenting with different types of clothing. And I love that Amoir has allowed me to try some different styles of jeans and kind of step outside my comfort zone and figure out what I love, what works for my body type, and to not have spent money on things that I was like, "Mm, actually, this doesn't work after I wore it a few times and realized I don't really like it. And so it's been a great opportunity for me to try out some new things and help me to define my personal style. And I also love that the style quiz, the different suggestions that they gave after I took the style quiz, it was right in line with what I would want to wear. And so I have just loved this service and I would love for you to get to try it out and get a great deal. Right now, my listeners can give Amoir a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit amoir.style forward slash crystal. That is amoir.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash crystal to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Amoir today. This episode is sponsored by Byheart, and I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in, and all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. 
Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. So you alluded to, you know, just talking about there are hard days. Yeah. And I'm sure you've, you've walked through a lot of those. How have you, what has, what have you clung to during those hard days? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. There's been a lot of really hard days. It's, um, it's painful many times. I think one of the things that I've had to learn and I have to keep learning this, look at me, I'm already kind of tearing up, um, is to not grieve what I have not been asked to grieve yet. Mm. And I think as parents to children with disabilities, because we don't know their future, immediately we can start to draw conclusions and, and we can start to weep over things that aren't realities, but they feel so real. Mm-hmm. And I think I have been continually reminded to, no, I need to deal in the present. I need to deal in the here and now for what God has for me right now. And remembering that his grace is going to meet me every step of the way. And that the reason I can't fathom what it might be like to be an empty nester or not get to be an empty nester. The reason I can't fathom that and that that grieves me is because God hasn't asked me to walk through that yet. Mm. But if indeed he does ask me to walk through that, then his grace is going to meet me right there. You know, when you look at someone who's going through deep, deep sorrow and deep, deep grief and you say, I cannot imagine, you know, and we've all seen that. And yet that person seems full of peace and they seem, um, while not maybe joyful, they seem like they're accepting. And that's because of God's grace in their life in that moment. And we can't imagine it because we haven't been asked to go there yet. And I just am so thankful that God's grace is so unique and personal for each person. Um, And that, you know, he meets each of us with exactly what we need in that moment. So that has been huge for me because I've seen him be faithful over and over and over to me again. But it's a constant check to say, okay, don't go too far. Don't, you know, live in this moment right now, not in this hypothetical. And how do you walk with your other two children through this? Because I know that that, you know, having a sister who has disabilities, there's a lot of things for them as well. What does that look like for you? Yeah. Yeah. You know, with um, my older two kids, I think that it has been incredibly refining for them. You know, Mm -hmm. you hear a lot of times from, I've heard from teachers and other adults, they've said, oh, kids who have a a sibling with a disability, you can always tell because they're super kind. And I'd like to hope that my children fit in that category because they're used to understanding like um, having extra patience and having extra kindness uh, for someone else. And I have been so thankful uh, to see that sibling relationship develop over the years, but it hasn't been without saying, hey guys, we're a a team, we're a family, we're going to work together here. And um, you know, there's definitely hard moments. There are things that we deal with that families of regularly developing kids don't experience, but I really believe that my children are going to be better off for it. And it's going to develop in them. Um, we have this phrase that we say, my life for yours in my mm-hmm. family. 
And we just remember that because Christ gave his life for us, we can now give our life for others. And so it's just a short little phrase to remind us of the truth of of, of Christ. And um, you'll hear my kids say it like, um, you know, my youngest will want some toy and rip it out of their hands. And my older son will be like, my life for yours. You know? <laughs> Man, it's like, oh, and and so there are times where I stop that and I intervene, but there are other times where I'm like, no, this is good. You know, like that's the way real life is. When they're Mm -hmm. adults, not everyone's going to be like, yep, we'll get that back for you. Mm -hmm. No, stuff's, life's not fair. Mm -hmm. And it has, I think, really given them an inside look on Mm -hmm. at an earlier and younger age. And, you know, you just said life's not fair. This is the million dollar question, but I feel like a lot of times people can look at a child who has disabilities, an adult who has disabilities, and say, how could a good God allow that? Yeah. Yeah, you went right there. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Yeah, you know, I asked this question. I won't lie. You know, I've been a believer since I was five years old. And I really um, worked through even a season of doubt after it happened of just saying this, how can this even be um, anything any God would allow, you know, and um, like you said, a good God. And I think as I have walked through that, I think the first thing to remember is that the world calls disabilities tragic. Mm-hmm. You know, they would say, let's not even let that child live. Let's, let's abort them in the womb. Mm-hmm. And as Christians, we believe in the sanctity of life and we believe that all lives matter, even in the womb, no matter how they can walk or talk or move. And so we have to remember that that person with disabilities has inherent dignity and value and worth, and they are not less than in the kingdom of God. They are not to be pitied or shunned or treated as small in the kingdom of God. And so a good God still values those people as incredibly valuable and worthy. And 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 so we have to remember that truth of the Imago Dei being made in the image of God. And then we have to remember the fall. And that, that's a it's a consequence, it's a reality of living in life post-fall. And some disabilities are due to sin. They are due to somebody making an unwise decision. And that that's a reality. It's a consequence. But most disabilities are not a consequence of sin. They're not because of sin. We can look to John 9 and know that in John 9, 1 through 3, Jesus talks with the disciples and with the Pharisees. And they're all saying, they're talking about this man who is born blind. And they're saying, who sinned? It had to be somebody. It had to be the parents. It had to be him. Who did it? And Jesus is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop right there. This is not because anyone sinned. In fact, it is so that the works of God might be displayed in this person. And as a mom to a child with disabilities, what a comfort, what a truth. There is no other religion on the planet that's going to give you that. Mm-hmm. And we know that God is using that person's story to bring him more glory. I don't know why, I'll be honest, I don't know why God chooses a harder path for some and not for others. Mm-hmm. But I do know that he is going to use that in their life and the people around them to grow them closer to what they really need, which is more of God. It's more mm-hmm. of himself. And the other beautiful thing about the Christian life and story that we can look to is the hope of heaven. Mm-hmm. And we will receive new bodies someday in heaven. And that's another thing that Christianity is completely unique on. You're not going to find another religion that's going to promise you a new body. Mm-hmm. And so for someone who's disabled, or maybe there's a listener here that you are, deal with chronic pain, or you have a disability yourself, or your child is just, you are struggling through that. Remember the hope of heaven and that someday all will be made new and there will be no more pain, no more tears, no more sorrow. In fact, God himself promises to wipe our tears from our face. I mean, can you imagine that? The God of the universe stooping low to us and using his own hand to wipe our tears. That is a promise that I cling to as a mom to a kiddo with disabilities to know that someday this won't be our story. Mm-hmm. And 
I'm not promised an easy life here. She's not promised an easy life. But I also know that that someday it will all be made right. Everything untrue or everything sad will become untrue. Mm-hmm. And that is a beautiful day to look forward to. And here and now, God provides us what we need, not, not a promised perfect physical life. And, you know, I, I think too about my daughter and think there are many ways that she will not suffer the way someone who is regularly developing will. Mm-hmm. And what is to say that all of us who are able-bodied have it any better? You know, mm-hmm. like that's a, it's a funny view. I think a lot of us, our, our measurement of success is what our abilities are. Mm-hmm. And again, that's where we go back to the Imago Dei of like, what does success look like? Well, success is inherently in us, made in the image of God. We are valuable. It doesn't change based on our resume. So anyway, that was kind of a jumble of truths for you there. But, um, I think I think that the gospel gives us answers and it gives us goodness. But if you are a parent struggling with that, I also understand that you perhaps might not have courage to believe all of those things right now, but yet God will carry you and there will be a day that you will know these things. Mm-hmm. Just keep walking. That's what I would want to tell any mom that's that's struggling, just to keep walking in these truths, keep trusting God, and he's going to carry you tighter than you could ever, ever hold to him. He's holding on to you. And that I promise he will reveal that down the road. I didn't know you were going to come and preach today. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, do not. That was amazing. And it just, it made me think about how our little David, when he came to us and I was so scared, I was like, yeah. I, I can't do this, God. Like, this is so much bigger than I can even imagine having the capability yeah. for. And and I can just tell you story after story after story after story of the faithfulness of God that I would have never gotten to experience were it not for yes. his life. Amen. And how I have grown so much yes. in my trust in the Lord, so much in seeing God move mountains, put people in my path, just provide exactly what I needed when I needed it. And it doesn't mean that it's been easy, right? but it's been good. And I, so often people will ask, you know, does he have words? Yeah. No, he, but he can communicate. (laughs) And will he have words? I don't know. I hope that he does, but if he doesn't, you know what? He doesn't need words in order to express joy in right. order to bring so much joy to our home. Right. And, and I've just found how people like, there's this trajectory that people think of success of yes. like, you know, a child needs to be hit these things in order to be successful. And for us to just, he has slowed us down yeah. so much yes. in such a beautiful way. He's caused us to notice things. I never would have noticed mm-hmm. before to celebrate things. I never knew, you know, a mess. I celebrate when, you know, when he, the first time he went into the bathroom and took the toilet paper down and ripped it all into shreds, I was like, oh my word, look at all those OT skills that just happened, you know? And I yes. would have, with another child, I would have been frustrated. I, totally. And, totally. and I just, he's just changed my mindset on yeah. so many things. And he's just happy. Yeah. Like he's just so happy. And I think how so many people would pity him. Yeah. And he doesn't need any pity. Right. Like mm-hmm. he is just mm-hmm. happy. And he teaches me that our joy is not dependent right. upon what someone else's version of success is. Yeah. And so I just, I yeah. love that you preached all of those truths <laughs> because I think when we can also, you know, like you're talking about this, like me, this sameness and bringing dignity yeah. and how it's not about hitting milestones. Right. It's that 
he's created by a heavenly father who loves him so much and uniquely designed him in this way. And, and I can see God's goodness in that. And, and I just keep thinking of there's so many children who, you know, have walked through what he's walked through, who don't have the disabilities that he does, who they would be experiencing all this trauma. Yeah. And he's not because it's like his little body just, He's just happy. Yeah. yeah. When I think with the, the pity conversation is a really good one because I will be honest here. When my daughter was diagnosed, I had a lot of pity, mm-hmm. right? I had self-pity, pity for me, pity for her, pity for everybody with disabilities. I don't know. It just went on and on. And what I've realized is that, okay, we don't, we don't pity them and they're not asking for pity. They don't need our pity. But what we can offer people who have disabilities is compassion with dignity. Mm. And so it doesn't mean that we don't want to say, oh, I can see that that's hard. I can see that that's difficult. I can see that there are greater challenges. We want to acknowledge that reality, mm-hmm. but we still want to offer that dignity to that person to say, but you are still valuable. And, and going with the sameness, you know, science shows us that um, two people to make a friendship, they can be totally, totally different on paper, but to form a friendship, you actually have to have at least one thing in common, one thing. So, you know, there's a lot of talk about diversity and friendships and how important that is. And I love that. I'm so grateful for that conversation. It's how we, it's how we change our opinions, get better and smarter and wiser. And, you know, we grow as a person, but as we create those friendships, there has to be that one common bond. So that might be a um, mother who kind of was similar, you know, we both have same mom, similar moms, or we like to shop at the same place or we like the same movies or whatever it might be. You have to find that one thing. But when you find that science will tell us you can form a friendship with the most opposite person in the world. This is the great part about being a Christian is that with every single person on the planet, you know that as a fellow human, a fellow image bearer, you have a deep transcendent connection with every person. You don't have to go looking for a movie that you share. You know that that person, I can be friends with them because they carry the stamp of God. I carry the stamp of God. Every single person is displaying God's glory in a different facet. And so we can always find a connection. And I think that is a really exciting element of how we can offer that compassion with dignity is to recognize differences. We don't, it's not that we ignore them. We recognize them, but also we say, oh, but yet you are a human worthy of honor and, and worthy of, of me spending my time with you. Like we can see that knowing another human, any human is a privilege. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we feel that way a lot, right? Right now we kind of feel a lot of times like, oh man, it's kind of annoying. These people, like, I don't really want to know them or, you know, I, I have no desire to get to know them. But when we put on the mindset of Christ that scripture gives us, we see that I can be friends with any person. And like, it is it is an enormous privilege to me that I can share a friendship with you. Mm. So many powerful words and just an interview about a children's book. (laughs) I'm so grateful that I got to have this conversation with you. And I just encourage anyone who's listening, who, whether you have a child with disabilities, you know, someone who has a child with disabilities, or you just want to help your children have better understanding and to be able to open up the door to have those conversations, this is a great resource. Laura's book is called Like Me, a story about disability and discovering God's image in every person. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com. 